0: Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell
1: the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. Ha! <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now download the free Fandango app for movie
0: times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies.
2: but that's what we had to work with this weekend. <laughs> I,
3: I, I legit didn't know where that story was going for a second when you said you were heading You're up to your scared. pool and you needed like, to go uh, to the bathroom. <laughs> I, was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm not swimming in Chris's pool.
2: Yo, 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 what up, Chris's, Ahmed Farid, and yes, we don't go to the bathroom in our pools. So I am not cool with that. We had to use I had to use some pool water to you know help my toilet situation last week with no power. But all good yeah. here, electricity good. And you know, I'm really like I hate when people pee in the pool. Just <laughs> why we're on the subject. Like Yes. There's some people that Agreed. are relaxed with that.
3: Most people. I um I honestly feel like it's most people, Chris, that are okay with peeing in the pool. And I was watching this YouTube video um like two weeks ago i forget what his name is i think it's like mark rober or whatever he does all these scientific experience uh, experiments and he did one where he p- filled up buckets one with just a lot of chlorine and then another with a lot of chlorine and then a little bit of pee and he smelled them and he said only one smelled like a public pool and you can probably guess which one that was it was the bucket with a little bit of the pee in
2: oh, it so I, I, this happens all the time no doubt i'm not shocked I don't know it, if I can it, it go does. in a pool and again. I, I have friends who wear it like a, I'm with you. I am with you. And we're. I'm going to have to drop out in a second here because our voices are off again. But already in the
3: first minute in, we've already got some sort of a delay here. All right, drop out right now, Chris. Let's just do it as part of the first part of the pod here, because this is how it is in 2020. We Let's just, do it. Okay. we got to drop out. So Chris is about to drop out right now. Let's keep this all in too, so that people can see hey, like we're the inner working. we
2: continue workings. that pee. Yeah, <laughs> we're keeping that. Pee.
3: Chris is making sure that we do not lose momentum on the pee talk. Uh, he his last thing before he dipped out before reconnecting right here is that he did not want to lose where we were in that conversation about peeing in the pool. Which, if you do that, I don't want to make you feel bad either, because you're not alone, and it's probably very sterile too. Because what you hear, it's very clean. And some baseball players used to pee on their hands uh, to make their hands softer. And so, I, I, you know, sometimes you just have to do so. And Chris, a lot of things happened while you were gone right there. I talked about Moises Alou peeing on his hands to get rid of the calluses.
2: Oh. A lot of pee talk. I remember that. I do remember hearing right? that talk. I mean, remember, there was a boxer. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was, man, I'm, but there was a boxer that was drinking his own pee after training sessions. Because well, he thought... That- <laughs> yes <laughs> seems not he, he was fighting it was on that you know what was the hbo series 24 7 or whatever when they do leading up to a boxing fight and i can't remember yeah. who exactly it was but that did go down but back <laughs> the peeing in the pool thing is not cool man it's not i don't even go in public pools anymore
4: or yeah, hotel pools
2: or anything because of how many of my friends have told me oh i just pee in the pool all the time so like yeah. i got a bunch of you know Kids and cousins coming here today for my little boy's birthday, his 10-year-old birthday, and I will lay down the law before everybody goes in the pool going like, uh, nature's right here, pee on that tree, (laughs) that shrub, don't pee in my freaking pool.
3: There is a uh, there is maybe some science out there that says once the pee hits a pool in chlorine that that it it goes away or something like that. I don't think that's the case. What we need, Chris, is that we need some sort of chemical that you put in a pool that turns your pee purple, right? If there was a way to turn people's pee purple in the pool, it would be the problem would be gone. You would not see I, it anymore. It would be over.
2: Agreed. That was like an urban legend for a while. Do you remember hearing that for a while that that was like some pools might have that? Oh, it was probably a
3: lie, but because there was no way, no one would want to test it.
2: I I guess you're right. No, but, but I remember like, I don't know, maybe some parents said it to me when I was like 13, 14 years old to scare, (laughs) you know, us or our friends or whatever it may be. But I didn't find out that it wasn't a real thing until like, like just a few years ago where I was like, oh wait, they don't really have that technology. And people were like, no, you idiot. They don't.
3: So, wait, today is uh, little Phil's 10th birthday, correct? Yep. Congratulations yep. to him. And so, are you having kids over at the pool today? Is that what you were saying?
2: Yeah, I'm going to have a few. So- you know, i got some ne- niece, nieces and nephews, and uh, he's got one or two friends coming over. It's going to be all family, except he's got two friends. But, yeah, I'm okay. going to have to say something. Last time I was here, last time one of my nephews was here, he peed in my pool. And it, it pissed me off and it fucked up my Sunday. All right. So I got to set him straight today. <laughs>
3: how did you know? Did he tell you? How did he, how do you know he did that?
2: He was quietly telling his sister, my niece in the shallow bed, yeah. she was annoying him and swimming around him. And I heard him go, well, I was just peeing on you. And I like, I lost it. Lost and it. I was like, what? Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. I gotta, I gotta straighten that out today. <laughs>
3: Uh, so just tell him it's purple. Just tell him it turns purple. See if that works today. Just drop it out there and see how many people believe you. Uh, so how, uh, we're going to talk to big Phil today. Uh, we're going to ask him a few things about, uh, you know, we're hearing about some teams bringing in fans, some teams not bringing in fans, what effect that might have on players, coaches. We're going to talk to him about, uh, a little more of the Seattle scheme and, and, and how different teams and, and coaches have, have, uh, addressed that because you talked with Rodney Harrison today on, uh, on pft live and more people are you're, you're almost getting to the point with talking about the seattle scheme it's like uh it's like the the ex-girlfriend where it's just like you're still hung up on this person because you say you don't like them but you talk about them an awful lot it's almost getting they, to that point here
2: i i feel like it is too i was a little worried about it when we like we we spitballed you know, what we were going to talk about today on the podcast but Uh, I think it is relevant right now because we got so many good teams that play it, you know, and I think what has made it even more relevant here as of late is, is Jamal Adams and him going to Seattle and how important that position is for that scheme. And then, yes, I talked to Jerwin James yesterday, who's in that same scheme, playing that same position. And, you know, as Rodney and I talked about on the show today, you know th- those two, hands down, are the best two safeties in football. There is a clear sure. gap to me between those two, and then whoever else you want to put at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and that's why I'm intrigued by it. And you know it's something that I've been talking about for a lot of years, and I'm glad I feel like it's finally caught some national attention here just as of late. Uh, and it's it's just a good conversation about how you want to build your team, you know, approach your defense, and and what style you want to play with.
3: So let's save that for a little bit closer to when your dad uh, jumps on the line here in about 15 minutes from now, because Derwin's team was uh, highlighted in uh, the first episode of uh, of Hard Knocks, going to be the L.A. Chargers and the L.A. Rams. Let's get Chris Sims unbuttoned reaction to uh, to the first episode of Hard Knocks. And Chris, honestly, it was going to be hard enough for me to keep these two teams uh, separate with the logo changes that they have because they look so similar now, the L.A. Chargers and L.A. Rams. And now after you know, watching Hard Knocks, and I'm sure after watching all the episodes, it will be darn near impossible to separate who plays for which team and which team <laughs> is which. It's, it's uh, I, very hard.
2: Yeah, well, they're, they're, they, I know what you mean. You know, there's similarities there. The uniforms, <laughs> you know, they got a lot of personalities on both teams, yes. superstar players, and uh, I get you there. You know, it, um, listen, I was excited to watch it. I really was. You know, all I, you know, as you know, I know training camp tour this year. All I've been able to do to this point is text with some coaches and GM, had a few phone conversations, but life's been hard on them. Life's different as you and I talked about. Their days aren't going as planned because of the ongoing battle of, you know, the pandemic and COVID-19 every day to where it's causing the coaches to have some long days that are kind of unorganized at times. But, you know, I think the first thing that jumps off to me about it, and I thought it was really well done and I enjoyed watching it is the two head coaches right away. I mean, those two have unbelievable people skills and communication yep. skills to where not only is it fun to watch on TV, but Anthony Lynn, Sean McVeigh, I mean, they motivate me when I'm sitting on my couch at night where I'm going, damn, I, I'll, I'll play right now for those two, you know, they just have a great way about them. So, that is something I find very refreshing. Their realness, their ability to handle and talk about tough situations and not shy away from it, really kind of just yeah. take it head on. Uh, that's the first thing. Uh, you know, what, what about you? What jumped out to you?
3: I agree with that. They're they're both s- super inspirational leaders, and 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 you've been around football coaches more than I have, and I feel like you have to have a certain level of that, right? Especially if you're going to elevate to that to the spot of being a head coach. But not all head coaches have that that ability i mean you look at bill belichick he's not necessarily a people guy and uh yep. maybe more so than what we've seen with some of the players but uh you've been around him more than more than most i i agree with you though i think that uh when you look at where we are uh, in a country and in businesses all, all around the country it's like there's a lack of leadership in a lot of these positions and i think watching those two guys operate and how they handle young men it was it was it was truly uh kind of inspirational and Anthony Lynn talking about how they got two opponents this year they got the guys who line up against them on the field then you got to beat COVID and I and I think that was that was super uh interesting to hear him say that is that you've got to embrace this battle against COVID as much as anything else
2: I think that was maybe the star moment of the whole show and that was the opening right I mean he's sitting there talking to the whole team you know it gave me chills first off you know and and two things there like yeah, you know, you're, I mean, that that's right. This year is going to be, yeah, battling X's and O's, battling the team we got to play, battling this virus. That should be part of it this year. That's why I will continue to bang the drum. If if it's, you know, the Saints versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Saints, everybody's healthy, and the Buccaneers have been overrun by COVID-19, there's no, like, makeup day There's no we're going to reschedule this, you know, the week before the playoffs. No, you lose Tampa Bay. Sorry. New Orleans did everything right. You didn't. That's not their fault. They shouldn't have to be taxed to have to reorganize their schedule. So to me, I like that. And to, from what I saw on that show, you know, from those two organizations, they seem like they're approaching it like that. Like we're not going to lose to the virus on a weekly basis. That's for sure. And then, You know, I just found that to be very motivational. You want to hold up the trophy at the end of the year? Yeah, we're going to have to win games, but we're also going to have to beat this virus. Other thing, too, I thought was interesting was Anthony Lynn talking about, man, this team doesn't really know each other. They haven't been around each other. But he said in a lot of ways he felt like this team was as close as he had ever seen because I think of all the Zoom calls and, hey, you know, the social justice calls and of course the dealing with the virus I think you've really gotten to know people and they put their heart out there on certain topics and things which is an angle I didn't think about and I'm sure that has a little bit better effect on team building than I've given it credit for this whole time
3: it was uh yeah yeah talking about the social justice issues with the the team as a whole and kind of getting in personal and 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 I think that above all is that you care about your players you care about your players what they're they're doing off the field you care about your players keeping them healthy on the field so you're going to go through all these hoops and, and make changes to your building and to your facility and so I think it shows how much you you do care about them not only as football players but as but as men I do think it's interesting that uh, Sean McVay and I'm sure a lot of the other coaches out there are using the Miami Marlins as that example it's almost like everyone in other sports and you're even right. baseball are glad that the Marlins did what they did because now they can just go, look at that. Hey, don't be them. Don't be those idiots over there because that is the example of how this can all go go south just with a couple players. And I think you saw it with, who was it, that rookie uh, Terrell Lewis, right, for yeah, the, uh, Terrell, the Rams, Alabama. the, only, the right. only player to test positive uh, of all the players that they tested with those two teams initially at least. You know, he couldn't be by the facility. You had to sit
2: out like, what was it?
3: 10, 10 days and 10 days. talk about, talk about, uh, putting, uh, putting the pressure on the early part of your career and you can't even be in the building.
2: Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's, that's an issue, you know? I mean, again, it's a guy that's really talented. You and I talked about him during the draft. I mean, to me, he was one of the hidden, hidden gems of the draft, a first round talent who had an injury history and that's why he wasn't drafted there, but As a rookie, man, to miss the first 10 days, you know, the nuts and bolts of the scheme and things that are done, those little walkthrough reps that we see them doing and all that, man, they go a long way. Now, I'm sure he's joining the meetings by Zoom and at least listening that way. So at least he's getting to hear the coach talk football and implement things that way. But, you know, still, there's a rookie, just to what we're saying. He still hasn't been around his teammates, really. Hasn't met some of his coaches and talked to them. And, of course, hasn't done any football movements, uh, but you know he's the kind of freaky athlete. I don't think it'll affect him uh, a whole lot when all's said and done. But, man, I mean, I just thought the show was well done. I really yeah. did. And they're going above and beyond as far as being cautious during this thing. I mean, right. you're seeing the thought process of what McVeigh and Anthony Lynn have done to make sure things are done on a prop, uh, you know, on a daily basis properly and to where his players are feel comfortable. And I think just seeing that and their approach has taken my level of confidence up one more notch to go, man, these damn NFL head coaches, they're staying on it. And I'm happy about that. They're the type of human beings that will stay on it. And uh, you know, it makes me feel more positive that this season's going to happen in totality.
3: I, I I agree. I, I have a lot more faith that it was like, wow, they're they're not in a bubble, but it's almost like with all these tests that they have to go through and the the protocols they're they're following, it's like they kind of are and halfway in a bubble there. There are like three things real quick that I want to address with this one. and and Pete just brought one up now. And he talked about uh, Aaron Donald. And the players didn't want to take the test with the Q-tip. I think a lot of them thought it was going to be the brain tickler, and it wasn't really the brain tickler. Uh, they just kind of t- put the Q-tip yeah. up uh, a little bit in their nose. Right. And then I love how Sean McVay, what was his quote on that? He goes, it's like a Q-tip through your nose. And I was like, it is like that because it's exactly what they,
2: <laughs> they, they <did."
3: laughs> it's like, it's Seriously, like, Captain Obvious like McVay it. on
2: that one. <laughs> I was
3: like, it's not like it. That's exactly what they did. But when they were taking the blood for the antibodies, um, Aaron Donald did not like the needle. Did you? Did right. you notice that? He was... I mean, he was not comfortable at all with any part of that process.
2: No, he uh, he was not. You're right. And, you know, it's funny to see big, tough guys like that. You don't get to see them be scared of much. And they're not yes. scared of, like, anything. Other Would than, you like-
3: still put him part of yeah. your zombie apocalypse? Sorry to interrupt you there, Chris. Would you still put him as a member of your zombie apocalypse after seeing him so frightened?
2: Yeah, I would. I would. I don't think he'd be scared of that kind of stuff. Now, you know. What if they
3: had needles? A-
2: that's what's weird. Is needles and like spiders probably scare Aaron Donald, but like <laughs> zombies and Godzilla don't. You know, that's yeah. that's so it's kind of unique about offense and defense alignment. Uh, but I know it is. It's that's really what I enjoy about the show is to get to see those human elements. Get to see Anthony Lynn and Sean McVay, who mm-hmm. take their coaching home. I mean, McVay in his spare time's coaching his damn dog. So that just shows you these guys live it. Anthony Lynn talking about his barbecue and he's not going to be able to barbecue as long and he's got to do it on a gas grill. You know, it just, they have their little hobbies and they still approach it in a way of like perfectionism for like they do football. And uh, I think that was cool. Don't shit in porta potties. I learned that, you know, that was, yeah, that was a great line at the end. <laughs> Who does that? What? Come on. I feel
3: like that needs to be talked about before you head out to the practice field, because if you're having one of those moments where you have to, you have to take a dump in a porta potty you know, you're not thinking of like, is this okay? You're thinking of like, this needs to come out of my body immediately. I feel like I kind of sympathize with whoever did that because I feel like those ground rules should have been laid before. Probably, probably. Party.
2: It seems like somebody did yeah. it before a meeting though, which is like, yeah. you no, know, you had plenty of time to walk inside and go to the nice bathroom. You didn't need to go in there, but that, it's again shows the realness of McVeigh though. Even that, just to me, those little things go so such a long way with your football team. Because yeah. you saw what it did. It filtered over to practice. They're in stretching. They're laughing about it still. Right? So that's how you want to talk about energy and keeping people lively on a daily basis. Well, it's on the leaders to do that more times than not. And McVeigh has really rare leadership leadership, you know, ability. He's he's special that way.
3: There was another part of it that uh, I want to bring in uh, your dad because I think your dad is uh, is here listening. He's he's gotten to hear us talk about taking craps in porta potties and maybe peeing in pools. <laughs> I don't know how long he has been here. Phil, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Sorry you had to hear the whole porta potty talk right there. Uh,
1: boy, excuse me. Yes, I heard it. Uh, I saw the show. I watched it last night. I taped it. I missed it on Tuesday night. Uh, that was interesting. I think it might it could have been one of the NFL films guys. So. There's people walking <laughs> around that could have gone in there, which I thought was yeah. pretty funny. Good uh, point. <clears throat> you know, a lot of good things said about the coaches. And, you know, coaching, it's, yes, it's it's a lot of X's and O's. That is for sure. But also it's knowing how to reach players. And there's many ways to reach them. There's no right wrong in doing it as long as your system or your way works and it finds a way to get to them. And we all know those ways. About, you said it. Belichick has a way uh, Sean McVay has his way you know kind of peppy makes you feel good at a way coach I just you make me want to work that kind of stuff and right. you know and and of course that's even though he's that way there still is the showing a type of leadership or stature whatever you want to call it that the players know you're the man that you're the person in charge and they have deep respect for you and somewhat they're a little afraid of you. You know, they respect your position so much. They know your power that there's got to be a little bit of that in it too. So I've always thought that I had it with Bill Parcells every day of my life. He walked into that meeting room whenever we started a team meeting and, you know, your rearing gets tight going, Oh, what's it going to be today? Because, Every day was the worst day, the most important day of our life, all that. And I had other coaches. It was the the opposite. And then I've told the story. I'm going to tell it again. Dan Reeves walks in in 93. We've had two bad years. The team is in disarray. We're sitting in there waiting to have our first meeting with Dan Reeves. He walks in the room, puts his yellow notepad on the lectern, looks up, and he goes, put your feet on the floor, sit straight up, and take those damn hats off. And I just went. I not exaggerating. Bardo's was sitting next to me and I said, man, we're back. We're back. <laughs> I mean, it, and that's how he was. He just had it. When he walked around you, you went, Hey, Oh, Hey coach, whatever. But you knew he was the man and it gives you great confidence. And you know, you're doing the right things to get ready to try to win football games. So head coaching covers many things in life. Uh, you know, even, you know, you can almost uh, say it's, Like being a father, Uh, raising your kids the right way. Yeah, you're not their friend. You know, you're, you're there teaching them the right things. Yeah, you can have fun with them, but always remember you're trying to raise them to accomplish what they want to do in life, things like that.
3: Right. I want to ask you both about another part of that uh, real quick on, on hard knocks, and then we'll move on to the Derwin James interview that, that Chris, you did also that's on our YouTube page, about a 20-minute interview with the Chargers uh, safety and some of the things you talked about there. But did you see the the Justin Herbert target practice where Ooh. they had those those hoops and then they had the net uh, through them? I was watching that. And I was like, oh, I'm so curious to ask Phil and, and Chris about that. Chris, what do you think of the the target practice and how common of an activity is that?
2: Well, uh, it it wasn't real common in my days. They didn't even have those fancy nets, you know, at that point. In fact, when I had to throw at targets, and if I went out there with my, you know, offensive coordinator or quarterback coach in Tampa Bay in the off season, and we wanted to hit targets, I, Dad knows this. I we used to stack garbage cans, so you know, yeah, I had to try to hit that top, you know, the 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 top of the two garbage cans would be somewhat, you know, realistic to where a receiver or tight ends hands would be. Hey, I'm in, I, you know, again, I know you haven't been around a ton of NFL quarterbacks in your life. Certainly not any good ones when you've just been around me, but <laughs> you could see that guy can throw the football and you can hear it from his teammates and you can hear it from how the coach was talking as he was throwing the football. But, you know, that was something I'm glad you brought it up. You know the, the guy has a special arm. He is gifted, and he can throw the fastball with ease. And I don't think it was as easy as he made it look. And I think that's you know it should be fun for Charger fans to look forward to.
1: What do you think? Well, Phil? well, for me, yeah, it was interesting. They had those targets. Why weren't receivers just standing out there catching the ball? I, I don't know. Maybe they weren't allowed to at that time. Maybe I not. don't know. Right. Um, I just can imagine us taking targets on the field, Parcells would go, what are you kidding me? That would last at about one second. He might have fired the guy who brought the targets out. And uh, so, no, we never had anything like that. Was it impressive? I I guess so. I don't know how far they, they were away from him, but I'd like to think, Christopher, you, me, even at my age, that I could drop back and throw 10 or 15 passes and I'm going to hit at least half of them, maybe. And when I miss, it's not going to be that far. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. But his form and what you said about him physically, all true. Um, he <laughs> there was he was never a big story in the draft because, oh, he grew up up there right by the college.
3: Did we lose Phil?
2: I lost him. Yeah. I, I, don't l- I-, him.
3: I think I lost him there, too. All right. Okay. Bill, you there?
4: All right. We Come can't here. hear Do you, hear Dad. Me?
2: Just so you know. Oh, there you go. Okay. There you go. All right. Go ahead. Well, you said somebody you, called got me. Cut, you cut okay. It's all right. You cut out right when you said he went up to Oregon and he got and got lost and not talked about and then it cut out.
1: Yeah, well, he got lost and not talked about, but he grew up right down the street from the university. And is he gonna be able to deal with NFL offenses and all the scrutiny? And and that became the calling card. Nobody ever talked about how good he was and what offense he played in, that really kind of restricted his ability to really show even more. I mean, could he run the offense at LSU I and mean, him in Joe Burrow? Let me think. Oh, absolutely. But, um, you know, so that I'm interested to see how he adjusts to the NFL. But, uh, you know, that talent, no matter what, sooner or later is going to come through, and he's going to be a good player in the league.
3: Could be a good player, could be a star. I think they're going to be a couple stars of this uh, Hard knock series. Jalen Ramsey, one of them, Um, and also Derwin James on on the other side for the Chargers. Chris, you talked to Derwin. Uh, It's on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NBC Sports. Let's hear it. Let's stop down and take a listen to the interview that you did with the safety.
2: Yo, 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 what's up? It's Chris Sims, Unbutton Podcast, and look at who we have here. One of the biggest, baddest dudes in
4: football,
2: Derwin James. Derwin, thanks for coming on. Much appreciated. You the man.
4: Right, thank you for having me. What's up, my guy?
2: Nah, I'm doing good, man. I mean, guns look good in the shirt. I mean, arms look. man, you're looking good. Yeah. I mean, that's, you go in with the headband too, when you work out and lift too, just, you, you got it all, man. You really do.
4: Little
2: <laughs> all right. We're going to get into some real football talk. Okay. I like to get kind of like into the weeds and talk about schemes and stuff like that first, but I got to first, deliver to the audience what they really want to know about Derwin James, all right? I want some quick answers here. Just going to throw out like three or four questions, one-word answer. That's all I need from you. You're one of the biggest, baddest dudes on the defensive side of the ball. And what I need to know right off the bat is Beyonce or Rihanna? (laughs) Beyonce. Travis Scott or Future?
4: Future, come on. (laughs)
2: Uh, Oh, Michael or LeBron? LeBron and then what's what, what what are you favorite video game madden, madden Fortnite? Madden. where you madden, madden. madden. Yeah. Madden. okay are you like you get all personal when you don't like your rating on the game and stuff and like does it offend you are you okay with your rating this year
4: yeah i'm cool with it this year yeah i'm cool with it this year i don't really i don't really get too mad unless they try me just crazy you know but i don't really get too mad about that i just play the game still.
2: Okay, what they? I don't even. I didn't look, and you know, I'm a dad now, man. I'm about to be forty. I'm out of the Madden game. I mean, what they? What they give you your overall rating at this year?
4: Uh, eighty-nine. I feel like 80. that's because that's, I ain't play last year, so that's pretty solid. Okay,
2: all right. See, that's why I like you. You're real, and you're better than eighty-nine. I'm just gonna tell yeah, that to Madden, yeah, Madden yeah, right now, not, and anybody.
4: But yeah. you know, you'll be
2: you You'll be not. Say it again.
4: So I respect it because I ain't really play too much last year, so I respect it. You,
2: all right and last one here um and really important katy perry or taylor swift
4: taylor swift
2: oh i knew you were a taylor swift guy i knew it all along i knew it i know you're jamming that in your car every day i know it i knew it (laughs) all right other thing i gotta ask you about just because i know you're a man of style you know, Yo. I see you in your black Rolls Royce pulling up. You, you got it all, uh, look at you.
4: Look at you. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm peeping you. I'm watching. Yeah. Don't you worry. I'm all over you. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> now, I gotta talk about your new unis, cause like I'm pumped about the new uniforms. You guys got yeah. I mean, it's yeah.
4: for sure.
2: Yeah. All right. So, give me, give me, the, give me the 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 gold, silver, bronze ranking about your your three favorite combos. Which one do you like the most?
4: I like the gold pants with the baby blue, the powder blue. I feel like that's the hardest (laughs) to me. And then I like the all white with the navy, with the navy blue on it. I feel like that's cold too. So I say them too.
2: Those are your two. I I, I'm with you there. I actually even like the all navy blue. If you just ask me, that's not that you care.
4: All of them fire too. I just like the all white for some reason with that with the blue of this.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's cool. No, I'm excited to see you in it. You're uh you got some style. You look good in the uniform, number thirty three. All right. So now the next thing I wanna know with all this, right? College football. It's weird this year. I'd just yeah. be and I'd be interested to know where would Derwin James be right now if you didn't get to play your last year of college football?
4: Um. I'd be, I'd be upset, I'd be sad, but like at, at some point in life, you know, you only can control what you control, whether it's injury or whether it's this pandemic, you know, you only can control what you control and you gotta, you gotta go through it no matter what.
2: I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but your second year in college, you got hurt, right? So yeah. that that yeah. last year was important for you to show people what you still were or what you could become, you know, one day yeah. in the NFL.
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure.
2: Um, All right, let's get into this a little bit. I want to talk about, you know, your safety position, your defensive scheme a little bit, just you as a player. First thing I want to do, like, alien comes to earth, and they want to know, show me one play that explains Derwin James because he's one of the best safeties in football. What's that play going to be? What do I show him? What's What's been your favorite play in your, your career to this point?
4: Oh, man. I got a lot of favorite. We probably got to go back to year one though. But I got a lot of favorite. Uh, my favorite favorite play probably when I picked off Big Ben. That was pretty fun.
2: Oh, when he tried to throw that loft down the middle. Like. Yeah, cause he
4: thought, he thought I was in. He thought I was blitzing because I was on the line of scrimmage. He thought I was blitzing. So just being able to get, undercut that route, and I got tackled by a lineman, which I should which should never happen, but. Talk. It's all good.
2: Uh, I mean, no, it's not all good. I'm embarrassed for you. How do you get yeah, tackle yeah. line the yeah,
4: I mean, that's gonna that happen. So I, I want to redeem myself on that for sure.
2: Yeah, well, that that's good. Pick it all, Big Ben. You know, and I've always been interested in this aspect of it. You played some quarterback in high school. You know, yeah, was, do you do good.
4: you? And I don't no, I played quarterback slash running back. You know, it okay. wasn't quarterback. You know what I'm saying?
2: Well, okay, I didn't think so because I watched the highlights and it didn't look like it you were was watching, looking downfield. Yeah. It was run, yeah.
4: No, I don't think everybody, I might hit a little check down, you know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> <laughs> do, do you – all right, so just to stay on there, do you think that aspect of your career at all helped you play defense, to play running back, quarterback? Do you think that made you a better safety?
4: For sure, man, because – as a, as a defender, you know, it's the same. It looks the same to the running back, especially as a safety. So I see the hole that he see on the other side. So, you know, just being able to, to think how a running back think or think how a receiver trying to get out his break to sell me this route or sell me this leverage, you know, just knowing all that, I feel like it, it helps me be a better football player all around.
2: Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, you know, yeah, you are kind of in that running back position and how yeah. you play, you mm-hmm. know, in that charger scheme and that's where i kind of want to hit on it because there's been a lot of talk about your position lately you know yeah. to me the two best safeties in football jamal adams derwin james it, th- that's where it starts and yeah. you both play the same position in the same scheme and mm-hmm. i talk about this defensive scheme a lot i was with your your d coordinator gus bradley in tampa bay when i was playing i'm just interested in your view of that position and what it's what it asks you to do on a consistent basis and kind of what you have to do to, to make the defense work.
4: I mean, you do, you do everything in that position. You got to make the calls. I mean, you got to curl flat. You got to play man. You got to be able to do a lot. You got to be able to blitz. Like you say, you got to not just being a strong safety. You got to be able to play in the box. Sometimes you may got to roam deep. And just giving the quarterback and the offense different looks and just try to call, cause havoc.
2: It's I'm always impressed with, like, how you guys pass things off and zone coverage inside. Like, you can make it look like, man, all of a sudden you're following a guy across and then you stop and let him go because you know somebody else is going to go. Was, was this scheme, you know, tough for you with the rules and things to learn at first coming out of college?
4: Uh, yeah, it was a lot different for me coming out of college. But I feel like Coach Gus, like you said, I know you haven't been around him a lot. You know how he is. So just having Gus here with me, I feel like, allowed me to learn, get ahead of the curve and learn more with the rookie minicamps and the OTAs and different stuff that I got to go through. But at first I really didn't understand it as much as I do coming into year three. And I feel like now it's so much slower for me versus year one was, you know, just trying to learn the system, you know.
2: Right. Right. I mean, you, you kind of like, a you know, you said a, a linebacker safety hybrid yeah, in sure. one for sure. Yeah, for so, sure. and, and do you, you get to make most of the calls? Like the, the, you know, I know you got to might have a rookie middle linebacker in Kenneth Murray this year. So are they looking at you to be that guy to be like, make sure everybody's in the right place?
4: No, we got other guys that make the uh, calls, but I do make the calls to the secondary just making sure the other safeties and the cornerbacks know where we are. And, you know, we switch it up sometimes, so just being able to be versatile with it.
2: Okay, all right. So now now I'm interested to hear, like, you know, schemes that you feel like give you give you guys a problem. I know your defense is talented. It's, it's one of the best in football, and I want to get into that in a second. But, like, I'm just interested from you personally, not necessarily how it exposes your scheme, but are any, are any teams that pop to your head when I just go, like, Man, what what scheme or player gives Derwin James a tough time at that camp chancellor position, uh, you know, in that Seattle scheme?
4: I feel like uh, Kansas City, they do a good job, you know, especially with Andy Reid and the stuff he's able to do over there and the speed that they have. And then Kelsey being one of the top tight ends in the league. So I feel like they give you a lot to look at, for sure. You know, a lot of people going different ways. and Right. You know, I feel like Kansas City do a great job. I feel like we also do a great job against them as a defense. Also,
2: yeah, I would say you do yeah, one of the best. Do,
4: yeah, for sure. Yeah, Not to me, that's that's like my funnest game playing against Kansas City because I know it's it's gonna be a dog fight and um, it's gonna it's gonna come down to the wire for sure. Uh,
2: I I I mean, you guys have given them some tough times. You know, you guys play those deep zones and you take away all the big plays. Sometimes I get annoyed with it because I go, I want to see my home throw
4: some bombs. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm an next quarterback is not letting the ball go over our head. So that, that's the main thing. I Don't know. I know the- it is. The-
2: I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Um, I, so. You gotta like since you're there, you gotta kinda tell me about that experience. And I mean with Kansas City, because you know, Mahomes, he is Mahomes. What what's it like being on the field with him? You know, it seems you must feel like you gotta cover for 30 seconds sometimes and then you look back and you go, damn, he's still got the ball and he's who knows what he's gonna do with it. What's it like?
4: Uh, it's fun. Like I say to me, I don't know why. I'm a competitor, bro. It's just fun playing against the best quarterback, the best tie in, the faster receiver. It's just fun to me, you know, to be able to just play against them and you know play them twice, not just once but twice, and um it's always fun, and then when we do go to that place, you know just from my college days, I like to hear that tomahawk, you know, just it gets me going, you know what I'm saying i, I just love playing them to me,
2: yeah, you feel like you're at home once again, yeah, like yeah.
4: again you know
2: <laughs> I hear you, i do, I hear you i I mean. Uh, is there anything you got to tell yourself differently when you got a quarterback like Mahomes, like an approach in that game? Uh, you know, do you have to tell yourself, I might have to cover longer or yeah. be more yeah. disciplined with this?
4: You're yeah. right. You're right. The down's never over because right. that guy he didn't spend out a lot of stuff. Him, Watson, quarterbacks like that, is like the down's never over. You know, he can be getting tackled and literally, I've seen him throw it with his left hand, and get rid of it. So, you know, Against quarterbacks like that, you gotta play very sound and technique and everything matters
2: against uh I mean, you know, those are two of my favorite there, Watson and Mahomes. Now, like just as the fan, because I know you're you're kind of like a you grew up football family, obsessed with it, everything like that. You know, who give me some other guys in football that have just like amazed Derwin James in your first two years in the NFL when you got, you know, on the field or you just didn't realize as good as they were maybe until you saw them in person? Anybody jump out?
4: Uh, i say Tom Brady, you know, going to New England, my rookie year in the playoffs in his home. Ooh. I feel like we got to really see Uncle Tom, what he could do. And um, i say Lamar Jackson just being able to do things that we never seen a quarterback be able to do, you know. Um, say Lamar Jackson. Then guys like the d and Mahomes, those guys, and I feel like you know, even A-Rod, how he's able to throw it and he can move on the pocket too. So guys like that.
2: Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, you talk about Brady, right? Like what, what, like, I mean, that was not a good day for your defense. You you guys had better days than that one. I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring up bad memories, but yeah. What's it like playing a guy like him where, you know, he's all over the mental game and he's going to get the ball out of his hands and all quick like that. Like, Do you feel like you can rattle guys like Brady, Deshaun Watson, Mahomes? You know, is there anything you you could see fear in their eye at any point?
4: I mean, they're human beings at the end of the day. I feel like you can run different stuff against them, you know, that it gets on. But I feel like they're also premier guys. They're the top top of the crop, I feel like, also. So, I mean, everybody's a human at the end of the day. So, I really don't really fear nobody. So,
2: yeah. I know you don't fear anybody. I, I'm not yeah. concerned with that. That that, yeah. that that That's it. Now, like, you talked about Lamar, right? And you, I, I'm going to let everybody know. I talked to you before Lamar got drafted. Yeah, you, I, said, yeah I
4: said he the you, best. For you
2: did. You said yeah, everybody's sleeping on Lamar. Lamar is going to be the best quarterback because you had played him in college.
4: Yeah.
2: Right. Now, you've had some success about him. I'm interested, too, like, you know, you come from Florida State, college football so spread out, all those type of things. You know, you go to play a Baltimore team, like your rookie year, you played them twice. It was it hard for you to adjust not only to him, but they have the perfect scheme around him and the pulling guards and fullbacks and, like, stuff yeah. you don't know necessarily always see in college anymore? You got to deal with that. Was that a big adjustment for you?
4: Yeah, I feel I do feel like with that Ravens scheme, it was kind of Lamar with it on steroids times two, like you say. It was kind of more official, you know, because you got the tight ends and the stuff that's going. But I feel like that playoff game, we had a great game plan. And um, just being able to slow them down, I feel like it was, it was enough credit to our coaches and the job they did preparing us for that game.
2: So all right, you got some freaks on defense you're the man first off are we gonna try to get the uh you know brandon mebane thomas davis they're gone are we gonna try to get the c on the uh the jersey this year
4: I'm trying to you know you know i need it for sure i'm trying to because like you said but it's all love either way i'm a lead regardless i'm i'm, I'm love football be on time i'll be here so don't matter who 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 like I know you,
2: but other than that, like who are some other guys on the defense that are vocal leaders? I mean, is crazy Melvin a vocal leader? You know, yeah, and plus a, I want yeah, I want you yeah, to punch yeah. him when you see him and tell him it's from me. All
4: right. <laughs> I, I let him know. Melvin, my guy, man. He he he's definitely a leader, a vocal. But I say me and Melvin are more of the vocal. Casey I talk to. Uh we're more the vocal guys. I say uh guys like Joey, uh guys no. like. Them, they're, they're going to just show, they're going to do what they need to do, but it's, it's right. fine, you know, everybody can't be on the, the, the same on the team, you know, that's what makes a team so unique, everybody being different and everybody bringing something different to the table.
2: Yeah, I, I get that. No, yeah, Joey, I like Joey, he's the man, but I can't see him,
4: like, giving the motivational yeah, yeah, he speech. Yeah, you can get out he, he, he get no speech out of him. Oh, nah, uh, sure.
2: guys, uh, <laughs> let's go hit the guy, guy like with that. the ball. Nah, sure. <laughs> I know. He's the man. All right. And that's where I want to go. Because we've talked about some of the, the athletes on your defense, right? You know, give me like the 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 freakiness ranking order of the, the guys on the D. Like, you are gonna put yourself one? Who's always, who, who, who who let me hear it? Cause you got some specimens.
4: I always love myself. Like, I always gotta uh, put myself first. Like I feel like it's a slap in the face if I don't as much as work and stuff I put in is I feel like it's a slap in the face if I don't. And then I say guys like Levall Joseph, I mean, he's a monster. Denzel Perriman, those guys are monsters. Kendall Murray, just looking like a rookie but don't look like a rookie. I mean, those guys, even Chris Harris, I mean, all, all those guys are premier guys. All right.
2: All right. I'll, I'll let you go on that kind of weak answer. You've had better ones, all right? That, that you know. but <laughs> Don't do me like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, all right, you hit you hit the Kenneth Murray. You know, Kenneth Murray, I got to ask you, too, him, the two rookies, the two first-rounders, just give me, you know, what it's been like with those guys. Justin Herbert, I was a big fan of his coming out of Oregon. I know you haven't been able to, like, go 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11 11 11 yet, right? But yeah. what what do, what do the skills look like?
4: Well, I see the offense down there on the other end. I, I feel like he's – it looked like he's spinning the ball pretty hard over there. So. I feel like Justin Everett, and he's tall himself. So just seeing him, Those, are, I feel like this class is really big. Those guys don't really look like rookies. They kind of blending in with some of the older guys. And Kenneth Murray, just seeing him every day, just watching him learn and grow and develop, I feel like he, he, he's going to be a good player when when they it, when it all quit. Sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I like them coming out of OU. Now, all right, so I'm watching Hard Knocks last night, and I'm sitting there watching you, right, and then I'm sitting there watching the other L.A. team and Jalen Ramsey. And I'm going, damn, Derwin James and Jalen Ramsey were on the same team at Florida State. And I had really kind of forgot about it. And I know you were close friends, right? I mean, did you guys hit it off right right from get-go?
4: Yeah, actually, we hit it, like, before my recruiting. Like, when I was about in 11th grade, um, I started taking visits there i um, going into my 12th grade year, just going on some of my visits, he was my recruiting host a couple of times and um, just uh, learning and developing. I feel like that team, like you're right, we had a we had a lot of guys, me, Jalen, Dalvin Cook, a lot of guys was on that team that are doing good in this in the league. So I feel like, yeah. You,
2: you get to uh, you like you see Jalen now that you're in the same city or is it kind of hard to see other guys on other teams?
4: It's hard to see, man. It's hard to see the guys on my team. You know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. So much. It's so much different. So, you know, I haven't got to see them this off season. Usually, we get a workout or something. Man. But, you know, it's just been so much different this year, this off season. So, you know, kind of had to adjust.
2: Uh, one thing, and I'll let you go after this because I know you got better things to do than talk to me. Oh, you but- did, bro. But more, All right. One thing that jumped out, right, was uh, Anthony Lynn, his kind of opening speech to you guys la- last night in the show where he talked about, you know, yeah, we got to practice and become better at football, but we got to win the fight against Corona, too. And whoever yeah. handles that is going to be that's going to be part of the reason you hold up the trophy when all said and done. I mean, is yeah. that something guys in the locker room right now are staying on each other about? About being careful and do things the right
4: way, yeah. For sure. We're not even playing like that because I feel like, man, what if you're not available, I mean you can't play. So I feel like we're doing everything we can, you know, washing our hands, making sure we do. some people wearing their masks. But I feel like we're we're doing a lot as a team. Everybody's getting up in the morning, going to take their tests every every morning. So I feel like that alone and then showing up uh, with these tracker things, I feel like helping us a lot.
2: That's good to hear. I know. I mean, I always imagine, like, Melvin Ingram and Bosa and you, like, telling, like, the rookies in the locker room, like, hey, if you guys act stupid out of, uh, you know, when we get out of the facility, we're going to beat your ass. I mean, that, that's nah,
4: really what man. I <laughs> – nah, No, 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 pass this year. None of, none, none, of, none of that for the rookie duty. So, I feel like this, this rookie this, – this year the rookies have got off easy. Oh, I bet they really did. No, I know. No, no, no carrying pads. I feel like, yeah, they got off this year.
2: All right. Well, I mean, hopefully you can make up for lost time next year. You may, you know, maybe got, got to put them through it then. All right. So the, this is it. So, big thing is, all right, I am interested in Derwin James and what you want to improve going into year three. I mean, I'm assuming you're 100% totally over the foot injury, ready to go, right? But what do you want to get better as a player in your own game?
4: Uh, just my IQ. No one was coming at me pre-snap, post-snap. Just getting all my indicators and just being where my feet are. You know what I'm saying? Let let my mind play the game versus my athletic ability because I feel like that's gonna do it natural. So I feel like just playing with my mind more.
2: Yeah, and, and and you just those are keys. Like for people out there listening who don't know a lot of football and X's and O's, like you're talking about little things Gus Bradley might teach you to read. You know, in certain yeah. formations or yeah. Go ahead, explain it.
4: Uh, it just be the little tendencies. So, who's at three? Is the speed at three? I mean, who's at the backside tight end? Who's the running back? Is he tight? Is he trying to get out? There's all the little stuff that you need to know or just about how the offense is trying to attack you.
2: Yeah. All right. All right. Hard knocks been cool. Did that not distract you guys too much?
4: No, they've been cool. They've they been cool. I ain't, I ain't bothering us.
2: Yeah. All right, good. They're going to make you a big star, so you might as well enjoy it because everybody's going to know your name here this year for sure.
4: Yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate you, man.
2: Uh, hey, yeah. you the man. Derwin Thank James. You. Yeah. Good luck. All right. Kick some ass. Thank
4: you, man.
2: Make sure you punch Melvin Ingram for me. All
4: right, I will, bro. All right. Thanks. See ya.
3: Cool guy. I, I you talked to him back when he was with Florida State coming out of out of college into the draft too. He Even just, after he, his
2: rookie year, I did too, one time too. So I've I've been able to visit with him a few times.
3: So he's a he's a friend of a uh, friend of the show, and you said that he, along with Jamal Adams, are the two top safeties in your mind in the NFL right now, and they both are playing that same same position, that same Cam Chancellor role. Um, Jamal Adams now doing it uh, for Seattle, and uh, and Derwin James doing it for uh, for the Chargers. And I know we've talked about this, Phil, and I know with you as well the Seattle scheme and. And how, uh, how you know, impressive or, or in Chris's mind, sometimes not impressive, and sometimes easier to decode, perhaps for for a quarterback. But, um, but when you have players like Derwin James, Phil, and and Jamal Adams, it certainly makes that defense uh, tougher to crack. Yeah, well, they, they
1: they rely on safety play in that scheme. You talk about Seattle so much, and as uh, you know, I've been taught by really by my sons over the years about what that scheme is about. Christopher knew it, even when he was at Tampa Bay, which I kind of learned yesterday. I didn't know y'all were doing some of those things down there. Christopher, Al Woods, you were talking about, who's now at Cleveland. I guess yeah, Joe Woods, run. yep. Yeah, he's going to run that defense. Um, and all the other teams that run it. And Derwin James, he's like Spider-Man. I mean, yeah, he's got all the things. But he's just long. So there's going to be – he's going to intercept and knock down balls or do things. Just because he's just got great length. And Jamal Adams is more of a, it's about being explosive. His speed, from from the moment he decides to take off and go, it is full speed right away as much as anybody in the NFL. And, you know, my whole point that I was texted Christopher about the Seattle defense, who plays, I'm just going to name a few and say if I'm right or wrong.
3: Hey, yeah. Phil, and before you go, before you go right here, I legitimately, this is not even a joke. I gotta go check my front door. But this is a conversation that you and Chris can carry for the next few minutes. Okay. I'm gonna dip out, but let me I'm gonna let you know that I will be back, just so I don't okay. want to freak you out. This go is ahead. the crazy
2: do, do what you gotta do. It's all right. It's the world we're in right now. It's the COVID 19 podcast. That's how you do oh, it. Oh no, tell right. her you said hi. <laughs> so wait. All right. So, so all right, go ahead. The teams that do it. You wanna you wanna well, talk about so, that?
1: Well, yeah. yeah, here here just because of what we're going
2: through right now. Seattle, right.
1: Cleveland, Jacksonville, San Francisco, the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm not sure about the Dallas Cowboys, what Mike Nolan's gonna do. You know, no. he's, he's a much more versatile, more, right. do more things on defense. So, but just it doesn't matter who else. But there are a lot of I don't want to say simple. But maybe it's an easier defense to teach here in this short period of time for players less to learn. There really is, in my opinion. I yes. know there's things they got to look out for and all that, but to contrast it, to just here be the first guy to Bill Belichick, who plays, you know, many different coverages, all kinds of different matchup, matchups to teach all of his players that literally he has probably. I'm going to say 10 guys on defense that can play three different positions. So he's got to teach them all that. So, and playing the three, four even makes it more complicated because there's more variables. So what right. of my points being, you know, it's just going to be really hard for him to do all this in this short period of time and do all the really great things they do. You know, last night I was watching Kansas city and the Patriots play. It was on NFL network late and I was right. just watching it watching the defense of new England and just going, yeah, you know, Kansas city of course has some success, but just everything they were doing, they were all over certain plays that I know that uh, they had run in Kansas city many, many times and they weren't, they were not working. So my, the other big point though, Christopher is I can't remember yeah. the year. It was a short training camp or something. I don't know what it, what caused it to collect a bargain agreement. But he didn't have time. He thought to his coaches to teach the 4-3, a 3-4, so they played a 4-3 that year to get the players more ready. So that was, an I I can remember, what an adjustment to go, well, we're not going to do what we really do. Let's go to another defense so we have a chance to really teach them because we don't have time to teach them all the things that we're going to do and the three, four. So that, that was one of the things I wanted to bring up today. That,
2: that's a good one, dad. I'm telling you, I, I, you know, Ahmed was kind of wondering where you might want to go with this conversation before we got on air. And I said, I go I, I had a feeling he might talk about, you know, that this might be a good year to be running the Seattle scheme. So, and I think you make a lot of good points. You're right. There is less moving parts, less to worry about. You know, yeah. Here's the defense. This is what we do. Go play fast. And with the, with New England, ooh, you're right. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard. It is. Yes. It is. It's it's gonna. The only thing I think that they they fall back on at least they have in in their in their corner here is they do have great man to man corners. So at least they'll be able to do that and maybe play some combination doubles or not here or there. But Ahmed Dad basically is saying. He thinks this is a great year with Seattle Seattle scheme because there's not as many rules and things and moving parts. New England, Belichick, all the defenses they put in, you know, how much can you put in in a year like this? And then especially when you talk about Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung not being there, two of those guys that Dad would, you know, I think agree are a part of organizing that team on the field on a play-by-play basis. So – uh, that, that, that's, that's a good one there. I'm
3: going to go ahead.
1: The other thing is the three, four, it's just more, you know, it's more confusing, more things you can do with a three, four defense than a four, three. So yes. when he had a short period of time and I, I'm going to look it up, what year it was, that was said, 2012. We don't, have, we don't have time. We got to teach them the four, three and play that We, can, hmm. You know, th- just think of all the guys that they've had that play, outside linebacker, um, defensive end sometimes, uh, real defensive end, and then, oh, it's a passing situation, go down there and get over the guard and be an inside pass rusher. Uh, their team, and once again, yeah, they lost some high tower chung, but they still have that same group of guys. He drafts guys that can yeah. do that, To teach them all these things, and again, we'll see how it goes, can't wait to – Here's the last thing, too, about all this. It's gonna to be tough on the coaches, all that, but when the season starts, there's no excuses. And the old phrase is what do we what 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 do people want to know on Monday? Did you win or did you lose? We don't care right. about all the other stuff. Did you win or lose? And that's just the way it is. And all these coaches have to deal with that. Yeah. So I
3: wonder how much of it, too, is that you know, with some of these complicated defenses you know, they work because the players have played together and they can communicate without communicating. You just kind of know where the other player is going to be. There's another thing to this whole thing is that in a lot of these places, there's going to be significantly less sound. You know, there's no fans or pared down fans. We're starting to hear some of the plans by these teams. The, The Dallas Cowboys have said, you know, Jerry Jones says he wants fans right now. The the protocols in Texas call for only 50% capacity in some of these places. The Saints have said there will be no fans for their home opener, so that could perhaps be an advantage to Tom Brady having to go in there for the first game of the season with, with Tampa Bay. So I wonder how that, Phil, will impact things that you know they have. Uh, this, this communication on the field will be allowed to be a whole lot more effective with just with just talking than it has been ever before.
1: Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I hope the networks, I hope we don't jazz it up with a bunch of fake noise. I don't know if we are. I shouldn't say that if CBS does, then that's great. But um, <laughs> but I, I think it, it will intrigue the fans to hear how much talking and really to hear it, that part to be real. And I think yep. it, it, it could be fun. But also, we're going to hear more sound of the hitting because we don't have crowd noise and all the other stuff going on. And I think what will happen, it's not the same as standing on the sidelines, but it's going to, the people at home are going to go, wow, it's faster and more, I, I don't want to say violent, but just more physicality to it than they've ever dreamed or think it could be. I think that will come out if, if you know we don't pump in fake crowd noise. And uh, that, that's going to be interesting. The communication, hey, defenses, offenses, now they don't have to worry about stuff like that. So, and, you know, Christopher, you text me about playing without people in the stands. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll i say this real quick. I don't remember ever in a game going, oh, our crowd's against this. Oh, the noise is just, oh, we can't deal with it, all that stuff. Just You know, it was just part of what you do. And uh, you played it too, so you know. And it's just, you don't even think about it. So I can't imagine that's going to. The, the only thing it does when things get going your way and the crowd really gets behind you, it can help the defense. Because now, defense, where emotion can play a bigger part than offense for sure. They get emotional and you just get a little faster, maybe a little stronger, and just, you know, and it, it just gets rolling. The defense can get rolling, I think. A
2: lot more crowd noise than the offense can. I would agree with that, certainly. All right, but here's, here's the other aspect that I, I mean, and, you know, hey, listen, uh, this is where I'm intrigued by the no fans thing, Dad, and I haven't talked to you about this, so I, I want to hear your, your two cents about this. You know, one, we watched the PGA Championship on Sunday. I know you were watching Jason sure. Day, I mean, he basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he got off the course and basically said, I don't think some of these guys would be on the leaderboard if there was 200,000 fans here, like a normal Sunday. You know, yes. LeBron James, I'm watching the NBA every night. He's not the same. I, you know, I don't know if it's, maybe there's a health issue. I don't know. He's still playing good, but not LeBron James good. And to me, this is where I'm kind of trying to take it is, You know, some of the greatness of LeBron James is the fact that he's a showman, for one, so that probably motivates him a little bit, just showing every, hey, I'm the best player in the world. Hey, all you LA stars here, look at me, blah, blah, blah. I think he's a guy that does thrive in that kind of environment. Also, he thrives in environments where a lot of other guys don't, when it is loud and crazy and boo, you suck, LeBron, you suck, and he can still call the play out and get everybody orchestrated and make the right basketball play. I just wonder, like, if that's going to affect. Does it take away from some of Tom Brady's greatness now that, you know, he's so cool and calm with the pressure on and people booing and whatever else, where maybe the other quarterback that doesn't do as well in that, you know, scenario, now he's got a little advantage there. I don't know. Do you think there's anything to that? Am I crazy? What?
1: No, I think some of those points are very good, very valid. Uh yeah, a young
2: quarterback, not having to deal
1: with crowd noise. That's that's gonna be humongous. It's really gonna help a lot. Uh it just it's just one less thing to deal with. Um uh LeBron James, you know, I haven't watched a lot of it, but you know, listen, uh you you you're a big fan. Ahmed, I think mean, if you're a big fan of the NBA, you you just can tell. He's not the same player he was a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, and some of the explosion is gone, and that's what his game is about. But, yes, he's still still one of the best and all that, so that, that answers that. And Jason Day, he is absolutely 100% correct. Uh, those crowd noises, the yelling and all that, the golf tournaments and everything, I, if it can affect anybody, crowd noise or what? It, golf, you stand over the ball and think about it. Right. What other – basketball, football, it's reactionary. We don't think. Mm. We just, I don't know why I threw it over there. I just threw it. I think he's open. I read it. I, you know, just, it goes so fast. You don't even know why you do things. We're golf. You can stand over shots, stand over putts, and your mind and the crowd can take you a lot of different places. And yes, some of those guys would not have been up there on that leaderboard if if there was a crowd there at the PGA.
2: You, you, you think your mindset's different like in 1989 and you're going to play Reggie White and Buddy Ryan and the Eagles and the vet has no fans in it? Like, you know, well, how it, much would it diff- have been? Yeah. It,
1: it, no, I don't think it changed. I still know I was going to take a beating. Uh, so <laughs> that's it. You know, that, that's what that was all about. And, yeah, I would have missed seeing all the fights in the stands by the Philly fans. But, you know, some things <laughs> you, you just get up. But, yeah, the, their crowd wasn't overwhelming really the only place I ever played where the crowd was truly just like man this is really tough to deal with was New Orleans and I I was going horse calling the plays in the huddle because I had right. screamed so loud and then the other place was Washington only when you were backed up by the that one end zone the far end zone where the fans were so close to the back of the end zone that was pretty tough too but Otherwise, all the other stadiums, uh, crowd noise really, I can't sit there, San Francisco and all those big games. Not once did I ever go, man, it's crowds, it's tough to communicate and do things. It just it wasn't that type of stadium.
3: Right. I almost I, um, I wonder, um, and that's that's super interesting stuff, but um what I was talking about before, is there and the more I think about this, is there an advantage uh, to be had by a smart team out there to play in this environment? Like I'm 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 kind of thinking like Houston Astros when they were beating on the trash can to signify if there was a, a change oh, up coming right. or, or a curveball. But not not along the lines of cheating, but just like, okay, quarterback, if you hear this sound, that means backside, you know, to your left, there's a receiver that's open. Or, you know, defensively, if you hear this sound – that means that we think it's a play action. Like, I, I wonder if there's a, a place for smart teams to be able to use use the no crowd uh, to their advantage.
2: I, I think there's something there, you know, I do. Now, listen, you don't want the coach, you know, making a noise when you're dropping back to pass and anything like that. Because, you know, how many times I had a coach tell me this guy was open and then we watched the next day and I go, yeah. <laughs> he goes, yeah, hey, sorry, Chris, he wasn't open, huh? No, no shit, coach. <laughs> No, there were three guys there. So that could lead to dangerous things. But I think the other point you make there, and dad, you chime in. Maybe maybe we will see you'll hear a little bit more yelling from the coaches on the sideline pre-snap, right? Where the defense is the defensive coordinator is yelling like, Hey, he's checking to this or watch out for that. That might be more of a factor this year than maybe we've ever seen.
1: Absolutely, coaches will be able to yell at their players on both sides of the ball and help them out at times. You know, uh, yelling at a young quarterback. Yeah, I think they could do that. Now, you know, of course, it's going to be a big red alarm to the defense. Hey, check out the play. I mean, it could say things that the quarterback (laughs) might not do. So that that will absolutely come into play. And I think if there's no fans in the stands. They'll be able to do it. Now, they might be a little hoarse when the game is over, but they'll be able to yell out to those players and help them out during the game. Hmm. that's that's hmm. a great question, and it's something I haven't really thought about a lot, but yeah, uh, right. I'm sure that will happen.
3: um phil, we 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 don't want to take too much of your time, but we do want to get uh, real quick your your thoughts on something that was tweeted to us uh, a couple of days ago, and Chris responded to it. This came from Big Blue VCR. And he showed a clip. It was a video clip, like a 30-second clip of you on the sideline, 1985 preseason Hall of Fame game versus the Oilers. You needed stitches for a laceration on your right hand. Um, You got back from the hospital. And then you can hear on the live broadcast, I believe it's Frank Gifford, um, relay a message to your wife from you, apparently, that you wanted him to tell everyone, tell your wife most specifically, that you were going to be okay, that she did not need to worry. Could you take us back to that game in 1985?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did say that because, you know, I dealt with a few injuries and everything, and finally we had a great year in 1984 where, you know, it worked out for me, the team. We got back on track, and to get hurt and lacerate my finger in a Hall of Fame game. I'm sure my wife and Christopher maybe too. You would have been, what, five years old then?
2: Right. So, right.
1: Sitting there going, Oh my God. And so I just said, I forgot who I told, will you tell them to on the broadcast to say that I said this and they got it done, which was great. I know my wife really appreciated it. So, Hey, uh, that was uh it was a scary moment for me, me too. And I'm going, Oh my gosh, please. But he, I think it kept me out of two preseason games. Um, I had to sit for two weeks. They took the stitches out and everything was fine from there on out. So it was, yeah. That's all true.
2: And hmm. sometimes the announcers, they come in handy. Did you, <laughs> did you even see my response on Twitter to it at all? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, I good. I, listen, Would you, I've been you don't want to so say I it? <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I'll say, say Oh, I said, yeah. I went, wow. That is really uh, something like, wow, that's really shocking. Um, So thoughtful of a guy who... You know, didn't even show up for his first child's birth. You know, I'm shocked that he was that thoughtful. Something like that. Uh, so I took a hey, shot Hey, Christopher,
1: you. I know you're talking about you. Get over it. It was a big <laughs>
2: practice day. I couldn't miss it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't care, Dad. I, yeah, would have I, missed, don't. I was prepared to miss Charlotte's birth, too, for OTAs. So, I mean, I you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree there, big guy. So I get it. Don't uh, worry. Well, let
1: me, before I go here, real quick, I thought y'all brought up a great point. I think there's a lot of pressure on the players during this uh, COVID-19 football season. We saw the baseball players who, you know, went out irresponsible, whatever, and some of the teammates got on them. And you know what? Players, playoffs, money, salary, everything is on the line for all people. So if you're the guy that goes out and puts your team in in harm's way, oh, my gosh. You know, right? I think that that peer pressure and everything that goes with it, because if you go out and do something wrong or show up publicly and bring it into the team, you guys are going to talk about it uh, all the time. It's going to be all over TV. So I I think it's the, that pressure is really a good thing for the NFL. Mm -hmm. That's going to really help them. If they have a chance to play, it's going to give them a greater chance because of all that comes with it. If you break the rules, and cause a breakdown of a football team.
3: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. In years in years past, uh, you could you could go out, and you could do that, and it. You know, I guess it could hurt the football team if you're one of the better players and you can't play. But then ultimately, if someone else steps up and fills your spot and and takes over for you, now that guy might have to quarantine because he was hanging around you too much. And so, yeah, I think yeah that pressure right. to uh to do the, do the right thing uh, in 2020 has never been uh, never been greater. Thanks again, Phil, for uh for the insight. Sorry, I had okay, to dip guys. out. For a bit that's okay i'm knocking come my on my camera again
1: today because i went to the skin doctor yesterday and um uh, uh it's uh it's, it's gonna be tough to look in a mirror let's put it that way you ugly you ugly yeah okay i'll see you later there big boy <laughs> all right have Dad. You so much man have a good day
2: all right later, you, Dad. thanks man right. see you guys <laughs> see
3: ya I don't think he, I don't think he needed that, Chris. I don't think he was totally
2: ugly. Uh, he ain't got no alibi. <laughs> he's ugly. <laughs> I was.
3: I, I think it was w- something more sympathetic that he was looking for. But I guess that's what uh, that's what the Sims family does, and I've I've that's come to find out that. Right.
4: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait.
2: This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's world again.
0: for
1: the United States!
0: Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about
3: that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Um, right. we, got, we got breaking news. Chris, have you really? seen this breaking news? Yep.
2: No, I'm too entrenched in the podcast, but you got me going now. Here, hear what? what
3: well, we I've, I've been leaving, checking the front door. You've been dipping <laughs> out. We've been talking about pee. It's been a crazy one. But the breaking news is something that we rumored to have happened here today, and it's finally happened. George Kittle has signed a long-term deal. It is five years, $75 million, $15 million per year. That's a record for a tight end. Next highest tight end salary is Hunter Henry at 10.6. So he shattered it. Tight end uh, money for, uh, for George Kittle. What do you think?
2: Oh, uh, well, I mean, I'm glad to hear it. I really am. And I think it's appropriate. And listen, I'm never really one to sit there and go, oh, this guy is so much significantly better than the rest of the crop that he deserves that much more. But I think this is one of those rare cases that I would say that's pretty true. I, I, really, I, I really do believe that let alone Ahmed, it matches up with their football team and the necessity as far as how important he is to making their offense work. And Mm -hmm. so between all those factors, I think Shanahan, one, loves the player. He drafted him in the fourth round. He's certainly been much, you know, maybe better than they expected. And, of course, they were expecting good things, but he's clearly the best tight end of football it's that's it's not even close anymore he won it's over you know and i think there's a little gap between him and number two really because he is an amazing blocker i mean he is a road grader in the run game then when you get into you know the shanahan offense and all that yeah we know he can catch the ball he can catch a five-yard pass and run for 60 yards down the sidelines and outrun everybody but he fits within the scheme too And we know with Shanahan, and you know, Shanahan, you know, in that offense, Ahmed, with him and Kyle Yuzchek, the fullback slash tight end himself, you know, they're very important in, you know, the misdirection aspect of what Shanahan creates to get people open. Of course, Shanahan likes to run the ball, so he needs a tight end that can run block. And then Shanahan's one of the best play action pass game designers in the game. So now, you know, you got a guy like George Kittle. Wait, is he blocking? Wait, is he sneaking out to go on a pass route after the play action pass? So the talent and then the need within the scheme all match up. And I think that's why, you know, Kittle is uh, blowing the rest of the tight end market out of the water right here. I Listen, I'm glad it's not $20 million a year. I don't know if you remember about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, the agent or something was talking about, you know, entertainer type money, or, you know, he, cause he's an entertainer too. And I was like, whoa, okay, let's pump the brakes. He's entertaining, but I yeah. mean, he's not singing a song during the halftime show. Let's relax, okay? I mean, yeah. Gronk was entertaining too. So, I think 15 million is appropriate and uh, good for him and Shanahan and and the 49ers organization.
3: Yeah, there's value to being a personality in that locker room, being a leader, and being kind of part of the vibe that you want to build with that team. And so I think, yeah, is that worth 5 million a year? Probably not. But 15 million is a record for a a tight end. Pete notes here that's 12th among wide receivers behind Jarvis Landry, who's making 15. Got Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins, Adam Thielen, 16.2. So there you go. Yeah. You. So what do you think about that? You know, because you got these players to get caught in these weird positions that, you know, have stratified salary structures around them. Um, the same thing happens maybe to safety with a guy like Jamal Adams, who does so much, Derwin James, who does so much than just a normal safety. Um, so what do you think about that structure of of you're kind of tied to your position, even though George Kittle is breaking the mold a little bit here at
2: tight end. Well, the, the tight end market has been suppressed for the last two years. And I think that's the first thing we got to talk about. There wasn't a lot of growth there. And I blame New England for that. And Gronkowski, you know, New England got out in front of that very early on. They, already, they realized, whoa, he's going to be the best tight end in football. Whoa, he might be the best tight end we've ever seen in our lives. Let's sign him now and get him for the love. And because of that, the bar never got pushed up because the teams could always do, well, this is Gronkowski and you're not as good as yeah. him. So you can't leap him by too much, right? You know, you know. okay, we'll give you more than Gronk, but it's not going to be like, whoa, like, holy cow, you're making that. So I think that kind of messed up, fucked up the market to a degree a little. But I think Kittle now will break down that barrier once again and we'll see if, you know... Some of the other young tight ends can come up and capitalize. But, you know, I think the names you just rattled off, they speak the point. I mean, George Kittle's more important to the 49ers than Jarvis Landry is to the Cleveland Browns. And I'm not trying to disrespect Jarvis Landry. I think he's the man. But, like, they have other guys that are really good on that offense, too. And not that the 49ers don't. But we know who the number one guy is. That's their go-to guy receivers cool running backs cool yeah everybody there's a lot of good players there but the 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 big time plays and the big time creative plays by Shanahan more times than not are orchestrated around Kittle and his strengths and everything he does like that so you know man you don't just think about him Ahmed he's fullback he's tight end you know the blocking he's you know, going up behind the line of scrimmage and kicking out the backside defense and on the inside zone play. The next play, he's doing that and faking it and going out on a pass route. You know, so they do so much stuff with him. They throw him screen passes, uh, let alone, like you said, he has an influence in the locker room. He's a guy, he's the poster child for the type of guy any team would want to, you know, structure their organization around. Loves football, works hard, puts it all on the line on the field every Sunday. And when coaches have a few guys like that, that's when they go, whoa, it's infectious to the rest of my football team. And everybody jumps on that bandwagon and then you end up in the Super Bowl or one of the better teams in football.
3: I'm looking at your top 10 rankings right now for wide receivers, and I'm trying to think where he would slot in as far as like a value, what he brings to a team uh Overall, if he was included in your, oh, uh, in your yeah. rankings here, the, and I'm looking, right. uh, you got Hill, Jones, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, top five, then Odell.
2: I think. I think honestly, if you yeah. went just from the pure value talk that you're value. talking about, like yep. value, not right? him,
3: yeah, not trying to shoehorn him in as a wide receiver, but exactly. just what he brings now currently as a tight end.
2: I think. I think it's. It's you know. Tyreek, really Tyreek, Michael Thomas, and DeAndre Hopkins. And I think that'll continue in Arizona with DeAndre Hopkins. But those three, to me, have more formulated around them than even a guy like Julio or Mike Evans, where they're so good sometimes they don't formulate a lot around them, as I told you. They just go, you go out there, and we're going to see how they cover you. Oh, they're double teaming you, we'll go to one of the other guys. Oh, it's man-to-man, we'll come back to you. But like Hopkins, uh, Tyreek, Michael Thomas, George Kittle, they are such a focal point of so many play calls where they are the first read. And we're doing this motion in this formation just to get you the ball. Or we're doing this formation and moving you here and here to – you know, be, uh, uh, um, you know, what do I, what do I want to say? You know, a guy that takes attention away from somebody else. We're trying to get the ball, uh, um, sure. blanking on that word. Uh, what the hell's that word decoy um, decoy? Thank you. Freaking mother effort. Yes. So there's only a five letter uh,
3: one. So I was like, that can't be it. No, it is. A <laughs> yeah.
2: So, so that to me, like when you put it in that aspect, uh, Ahmed, his value is greater than some of those receivers uh, that are on that list.
3: Well, good, good for them. Cause he really likes playing there. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, Kyle really well, Kyle likes having him on his, uh, his team just seems like a solid Definitely. dude. He's meshing with that community. And so George Kittle going to stay uh, in San Francisco for at least one more year. That's all we can assume on these uh, five years, <laughs> 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 probably at least one more year, maybe two. Um, No, hopefully all five for, for George Kittle. Another piece of news that came down here, Chris, I'll have to get your opinion on it. Everson Griffin uh, going to the Dallas Cowboys, former Vikings defensive end. One-year deal, $6 million. He's a four-time pro bowler. Spent the past 10 years with the Vikings. We did hear some rumors that he could be headed to the Seahawks, but ends up going to the Cowboys. What is it? What does it do for, uh, for them?
2: Uh, I think it's uh, huge for them. You know, hey, I, I already think this is one of the five most talented rosters in football, and right. if you gave me – one issue with their team. I think the most glaring one to me was, okay, Dexter Lawrence is over here, but your other starting defense end is either unproven or below average or it's Alden Smith who hasn't played football in three years or Randy Gregory who still hasn't been reinstated to the football. So that to me was like a huge risk question mark about their team and how they were going to make that happen because I really think, you know, unless Alden Smith gets back to the form he was, which I, I'm not expecting him to get to that, that point. You know, I looked at that and went, man, right now, they're, they're below average defense to end on the other side uh, across from Dexter Lawrence. So hmm. this is big from the, the aspect of, I don't think Everson Griffin's going to have to play 70 or 80 snaps a game. This is perfect. You know, my dad just talked about Mike Nolan, that new scheme there down in Dallas. Yeah, it's not going to be the Seattle scheme. Mike Nolan's got a little knowledge of the Seattle scheme, but he's really a 3-4 guy. He's going to be more of a multiple defenses, looks, things like that. You know, more of a Belichick-type approach, okay? And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, 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 that's where it's their team where I look at and go, yeah, they're really talented, you know, but is the coaching change going to hurt them in a year like this? You know, because Mike, M- Mike Nolan, that's I was true. with him in Denver, yeah. I was with him in Denver. He was the D coordinator there. His defense is complicated. There's a lot to it. And, uh, you know, I wonder if that hamstrings him a little bit to be more simple. And if that's the case and he has to be more simple, man, now you got a guy like Everson Griffin who can just, hey, here's our front four. You guys rush and I'll teach you guys how to cover in the back end. And you keep, keep it simple and feel more confident about your ability to pressure the quarterback without having to do it with disguises and creative blitzes and things like that.
3: So what about Seattle now? Well, what do they need? Do they need still help on the defensive line? Are they, is it imperative they make a move?
2: I I don't think it's imperative. You know, they have guys there. Now they're young and like, Hey, we still haven't seen the LJ Collier guy from two years ago, their first round pick. He got hurt last year. He didn't really get to show himself. So they have some guys that I think they realize, Ooh, they could contribute for us this year. But I still, like, to what you're asking, think they need one more guy. I do. One more some sort of proven commodity. I don't know if they would flirt with Ezekiel Anza and that conversation again, you know, because you might be able to get him for a mm-hmm. good number. He was there. He got hurt most of the year last year and never really got to contribute. But uh, what I guess what I guess I'm basically saying is I do think Seattle will make a move to find someone else. Maybe it is De'Devion Clowney when all said and done. I still think there's a possibility of that happening too. Uh, But I would be shocked if they don't add somebody uh, to that pass rush up there in Seattle.
3: One note I'm reading that uh, Pete uh, gave us on our previous conversation there about some of those wide receiver salaries, just to double back on on Kittle real quick here. Yeah. You were saying his value was right around there of a guy like, uh, you know, Michael Thomas, because they built the offense around him. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Michael Thomas making 19.3 million per year. And so uh, George Kittle might be underpaid here. Sorry to just totally go back to what we were talking about. No, before, no, I, I get what you're Pete. saying. Yeah,
2: I, I get what you're saying. You know, Hey, listen, I'll always argue too, though, just to play the flip side or devil's advocate, you know, Shanahan and Sean Payton's offense would still be really damn good without George Kittle or Michael Thomas. You know, it might not be as good. Sure. I get it. But, you know, they, they, they've they had a history of showing they can move the ball with no matter who the fuck is playing receiver or tight end. Uh, yeah. but, but regardless, I, I'm not trying to underscore their importance. But you're right. From that aspect, right? You're you're very right. You could make that argument to go, no, you know, he's every bit as important to Michael Thomas and that and everything that goes with it. You're you're right. But like I said, I think the tight end market has kind of, you know, fucked over a George Kittle and maybe other tight ends here. Again, you know what happened we saw last year. I would tell you this. You heard me say this, I think, on the last few podcasts. I think the Darren Waller kid for the Raiders is probably one of my I think he's well, I think he's one of the three best tight ends in football but they got out in front of it last year they knew what it was about to happen and he hadn't made any money so they got him for nine million a year or something like that to where he's a guy that I think after last year and then this year and if he waited he could like go hey I want like 13 14 million a year closer to George Kittle but yeah. you know the Raiders were smart and got it done quick
3: and now the uh, the market's at fifteen, and so it just totally changes how all these these players think about. It. I mean, we heard the Dallas Cowboys kind of saying it about Dak Prescott. Yeah, I heard you talking on PFT. You know, it does matter, right? Obviously, it does matter what the other guys around him are getting. What Patrick Mahomes' deal gave him mattered for Dak Prescott, and so yeah, Definitely. Darren Waller's deal apparently didn't matter as much for uh, for George Kittle, but it uh, it did the other way around. Um, Chris, next time we talk. Um, we got a few things that we want to do the X's and O's. We want to get that. We want to get back in person, Chris. We got to get okay. in the same room at some point. I yeah. don't know exactly what day we'll we'll do that. But we also got this thing. It, it came from a tweet. I don't know exactly who tweeted it. Maybe Pete can uh, can bring it up. Um, that uh, we got to make a uh, a fake team in the NFL from a state that doesn't have an NFL team and from a city, obviously, that doesn't have an NFL team. And uh, fill them with Chris's favorite active players. So we're, I, I want to definitely do that. And I've already kind of looked at the uh, the offensive side of the ball. Pete and I have both kind of tried to get inside your your brain and see <laughs> which players would be on Chris's favorite favorite offensive uh, football team. Um, so we, that's what we got to do, Chris. We've got to come up with a find a state that doesn't have a team, pick a city make chris sims football team in that city we'll brand it we'll give them colors we'll give them a cool mascot name we won't call them the wildcats or the tigers or Bengals or anything like that <laughs> thank you thank give you me something cool so we're gonna make this chris sims football team in a place that doesn't have an nfl football team yet and then we're gonna fill them with your favorite players so far okay does that sound like a does that sound like a fun plan
2: that does That sounds like a fun plan i'm i'm down for that you know i mean those, those are always like good things too to where i feel like we can get good engagement on social media too to where people can Guess who I might put out there or you throw your fans can throw out their favorite, you know, their players. Well, who their we already is. know the
3: quarterback. We know, we well, know Aaron Rodgers is on your team. That That's the no gift. No doubt gift. about
2: it. You know that for sure. So we'll let that out of the bag right now. Aaron Rodgers will be my quarterback. There is no doubt. Um, so yes, we'll go there. And, you know, I'm sure people out there can imagine some of the other ones that might be on there. Uh, but but yeah okay that's cool I'm down for that
3: okay all I right need we'll you do that to be
2: like a little bit of help with the uniform design and things like that because you're so artistic with your background and your gamer chair and all that right so, you know don't be afraid to throw some of your ideas out there for your the uniform look and all that
3: do you want hey well I kind of need the state and the city first. Do you want to pick oh, a I state? Right. Do you want if you were if you were to put a team into a state that doesn't have one right now, I was just looking there are 26 states that do not have an NFL football team. I think this has been updated here. Um let's pick a state and then I'll take it from there. I'll pick a city, I'll pick maybe some of the design and then I'll run a few nicknames by you. Um but what state if you want to pull up the, pull up the teams, pull up the map.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're up. They're up. I know. What, what I need to state, pull up the map.
3: <laughs> you do. What state deserves an NFL team, Chris? Can you think offhand or do you need more time on that?
2: No, it's okay. I'm no, no, I gotta, I gotta, I am. I'm pulling up the pull states. Up the... Hold on. I, I gotta, I gotta pull up the states. I'm usually pulling up teams. Today I'm pulling up the states. All right, here we go. You know, I mean, my right away. Ooh, Pete, my mind Pete says away.
3: St. Pete says St. Louis. Although we should give it to a city that's never had one, right? It's a brand new town.
2: I I, I think so too. And I mean, you know, I always think of somewhere like, uh, you know, New Jersey, right, or something like oh, that. But I know but technically they, the Jets and the Giants play yeah. there. I think of my family in Kentucky. I do think about them a mm. little bit, but hold on, we're missing somebody here. That I so I'll go through at.
3: Yeah, Alabama, although they got Nick Saban in Alabama. That's basically like a pro team. Um, Pete likes Kentucky. He votes for them. We got Connecticut, Alaska. If you want to go Arkansas, Hawaii you could put a team out there, Kansas, uh, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska. Well, the Cornhuskers are pretty much like an NFL team. New Hampshire, New Mexico, North Dakota, South Dakota. You got the Dakotas, you yep. got South Carolina. Yeah, Oregon, Oklahoma, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. You got a lot of uh a lot of choices yeah. here.
2: Uh, I know. I look at like Oregon, Oklahoma, Kentucky. Those those jump out to me. I even think of like I do I do like like you know Maine or something like that too, but like Everybody up in this area is on New England. So, you know, like, that's true. We're, we're, you and I technically live in New England, even though we're like much, much closer to New York City. But it's shocking how many Patriots fans are around this area that have jumped on that bandwagon in the last 10 or 15 years. It's unbelievable.
3: You go to the store, and there's, pa- there's Patriots stuff, there's Red Sox stuff everywhere here in uh, Connecticut. Pete votes right. for, he throws this one out there, the South Dakota Rushmores. Oh, oh, oh,
2: both I'd our like nickname
3: it. and run first offensive philosophy.
2: Oh, wow. I I, I want like to be it. offensive
3: coordinator. Do you okay. like that?
2: I do like that. I can get behind. I like the name and everything. That's a good one. I mean, I'll think about this as we go forward. And yeah. you know, I can think of something more creative than that, maybe. But I, I, I think we're to something there.
3: So preliminarily we're leaning towards South Dakota, having a team somewhere in South Dakota. Is that what you, are you willing to say that?
2: I think so. I think that's where we're leaning right now. Yeah. They need, they need a little, you know, I agree. Little livelihood, some fans, some craziness up there. I think that would, that would sound good.
3: I know. I know very little, perhaps nothing about South Dakota. So, uh, so outside of uh, Mount Rushmore. So I, yeah, all right. We're leaning that way. So, well, we'll pick the team. We'll get the nickname. We'll we'll get the colors. We'll fill it out with your favorite players. And then what we'll do in the future, Chris? We can we can draft your favorite players onto that team. So when you do your top uh, quarterbacks, was like, all right, who are you putting on the Rushmore's number one? <laughs> it's just like you have total ownership of this.
2: Okay. I like it. It's a good exercise. Yeah. Thanks for putting me to work again. I appreciate you doing that. for me. <laughs> well, that's why I
3: felt bad. I was like, let me at least try to guess what Chris would fill out his team with. So at, <laughs> he's not doing a hundred percent of the work, only 90% of it.
2: That's all right. I need to work a little bit anyways. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit like, damn, no preseason football to watch and do things like that. You're doing other things. You're hosting other yes. shows. You're yep. giving out Emmys at night now and all kinds yep. of shit. I mean, damn. Yeah. Big time, Ahmed Reed. Woo, baby. Uh,
3: some days, I, yeah, I got hockey on Sunday. I got NHL on Sunday working with Matt Casey with that. And I got horse racing on Saturday working with Rob Highland, who you work with for uh, Football Night in America. It's just like I, I get to reconvene with everyone in the company over the matter of a week here. So Good. looking forward to it.
2: Good. Get your ass to work. Um, all right. We're done, right? We got anything else you want to talk That's
3: about? It. That's it. We did it. It's over. All right. We did it.
2: You the man. All right. We'll be back Monday, Chris Sims, Ahmed Farid. I know we got Polly B coming back into the fold at some point here in the next week or so. So it'd be good to hear from him. But Ahmed, like, great job, you know, driving the traffic today, talking to my dad. I mean, answering the front door and hosting a podcast. Pretty freaking impressive, man. My
3: dog was going crazy. That's what I was like. I got to go down there. I was like, there's someone was like in. Yeah. I was like, there's someone either walking around in my house or just waiting outside the front door. I couldn't tell which one.
2: All right, well, it was a good show, and now I got to go be daddy daycare. My little boy turns 10 today, so I got to party. Yeah, happy anymore.
3: birthday, yes. All right, um, you well know done, what time so. it is, Amit. It is, it it's is. It's the end of
2: the podcast. Let's clap it up. Yeah. Happy man. birthday,
3: Phil. Happy birthday. Clap it up. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Clap it up. Peace out, homies.